0: RPN, The Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: Seven o'clock on a Tuesday night. It's showtime. Mission Log Live, of course, is the show. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John
0: Champion. Yes, it is Mission Log Live. Well, we get together with you to talk Trek and other things. But if you don't call in, then we're just talking at you. We want to talk with you. So call in a few ways to do that. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also call us. That number is 669-900-6833. Again, 669-900-6833. Then enter the meeting code you'll find in the show description and in the comments. Then you are on
1: with us. Back for another round this week is Vic Mignona, As heard in, oh, all sorts of anime, as seen in Star Trek Continues, hey, perhaps you saw him under the cowl in Deadpool the Musical 2. Workhorse, thy name is Mignona. He'll join us later, so get your calls lined up. 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833. Or do those other things that John said because he just said them and it's starting to feel both repetitive and redundant for me to repeat them. Uh, I wanted to ask John how his weekend was. And then <laughs> follow up question. How was my weekend, John? Do you <laughs> um,
0: Ken? I'm, I'm still having it? Um, there was a long weekend that started on Thursday, Thursday afternoon, and uh, continued right up until Sunday night. I might have just let it carry on until Monday night, too. Of course, it was SDCC. And uh, that's the party and it was your first one.
1: Yes, it was my first one in fact. I was what what, what? I got to do. I know, right? And then well wait, what's wait. this one doing here? What? Oh my yeah. goodness. Oh. Yeah, I know. My first SDCC and and two panels there. That's a It may sound like I'm bragging. Oh, I'm not bragging. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we had two panels. It was a blast. We had the Roddenberry panel, and then we had a panel created by our own Larry, Dr. Trek Nemichek. Star Trek, a fandom divided? Question mark? Uh, Those were both a blast to do. We got to meet so many people, hang out. We may have sampled James T. Kirk bourbon.
1: (laughs) Here's the thing. Uh, To say we may have sampled it implies that we had uh, just a wee taste. Hmm. We more than sampled the James T. Kirk bourbon. And then, uh, yeah, we might have tried another bourbon or two as well. Hey, before we go on to the other people that we met and the other stuff that we did, though, and we did meet those guys. And the first part of that meeting was fantastic. And I'm pretty (laughs) sure the second part was, too, because we got no hate mail. Um, Star Trek, a fandom divided for the people who were there and who came out and saw Dr. Trek's uh, panel with with a whole bunch of us there. uh, Thank you. We appreciate that. And for those of you who weren't there for it, it is going to be on this week's mission log. So you'll get to hear, oh, golly, um, Aaron Hartman, um, help Aaron me, Harvey. Aaron Harvey, thank you very much. You'll get to hear uh, Allison, Kenna, Pitt. Uh, you'll get to hear me, you get to hear John, and then uh, Christine Rideout actually was, uh, was on for the Trek FM people. I'm sorry, the Trek movie people, my Trek apologies. Yep. And of course, Dr. Trek was there as well. So all that stuff happened. And then uh, John and I uh, went our separate ways and I got to sit in on two panels that were great. Uh, Dana Gould, who of course was our guest last week, had his panel, Stand Against Evil Season 3. The most amazing thing, maybe the most amazing thing that happened in all of Comic-Con was he saw me in the audience and so he did a shout out. He mentioned Mission Log and he mentioned me and uh, introduced both me and our show to the people that were there to hear about his show. So that was just honestly an incredible thing to have happen. And uh, and I do thank him for that. So, season three, you know, IFC uh, Halloween, I believe, is when that begins, if you want to check I, that uh, out. I, I, so, that I was fun. I, been
2: there.
0: I wish I could have been there for that. I, um, I have no idea where it was, Ken. No idea.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, 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 I believe you were getting ready for the Sid and Marty Croft or the Marty Croft, excuse me. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, 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 experience, if memory serves. Either that or you, you sent me some picture from someplace on the street, but. It was really cool uh, that that happened. And then I uh, went to JPL's Dr. Robert Hurt, as heard on Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, quite often. Uh, Dr. Hurt had a panel, NASA's Search for Extraterrestrial Life. Uh, got no shout out from Robert Hurt. So <laughs> this is the last time you'll hear his name on Mission Log. <laughs> That's not true. I actually touched no, no. base with him and really hoping to uh, have him on uh, in the coming weeks. I think we're talking about August for that. Yeah. Do uh, you want to talk about the um, there, were, there were businessy type people that we ran into?
0: Uh, our good friends at Eagle Moss and we'll be seeing a lot more of them at STLV. so Eagle Moss, what up, yo? Uh, it was great to see them, and uh, we stopped by Diamond Select, check out Trek toys and uh, there was just, uh, there was a lot of socializing. Uh, tell
1: what the guys from Fan Fansets,
0: fansets uh, Adam, my food bro from Paramount. So uh, great to see all of that. And by the way, Ken, uh, something we haven't done that we normally do on this show, a shout out to all of you who are watching live. There's David. There's Carlos. There's Lisa. There's uh, Matthew West. There's John. There's Joy. Uh, a lot of people asking about the bourbon. And um, I, I just I hope that the bourbon makes a special appearance on Mission Log Live at some point. Um, yeah. I mean, if people
1: really that. if people really want tasting notes on it. Um... Uh-huh. I can't do like a full on like you know sipping it and all that stuff thing. I can tell you um it makes a great Manhattan. And I and I'm not saying that like oh cover it up with other stuff. I'm saying we had, we had two or three Manhattans that night. Uh from different places and uh it made the best Manhattan of the ones that we had that evening. And we had like makers and I can't remember what else that we had in the Manhattan, but it it's it's quality stuff, I think. Um and I've heard yeah. that from a few other people as well. So, yeah um yeah. let's see it seems like there was oh, one other thing oh go ahead well, yeah.
0: uh, hi also to jocelyn hi also to lieutenant J tracy coco joining nice. us again for a live show <laughs> nice to see you out there and uh yeah welcome everybody we've got a healthy audience tonight so i hope that many of you call in for our conversation with vic and uh ken you had one more note about uh, the convention
1: Oh, yeah, just, you know, it was great to see everybody. I hung out with another guy named Ken, and normally I don't like them at all. There's something, yeah, about, I, something about that name that gets to me. It's not as bad as, you know, Ray. But uh, yeah, um, but Ken was actually a really cool guy. I did lots of track talk with him. He's an actor, he's, uh, he's a writer, and he's just a really swell guy. So that was fun, too. All of this leads us to tonight's poll question, because already that was a lot. And, and with as much as we've already had, and then knowing that there's stuff coming up, uh, we did had a poll question for this week, but first, last week's poll question, John.
0: So last week, in honor of comedian Dana Gould joining us, we had to ask you, in-universe, who's funnier, Data or Worf? Nearly an even split. Data, 46%, Worf, 54%. I, yeah, I definitely have to go with Worf on this. Worf's not trying. It's exactly. just sad to see. Data is the guy who would tell the joke and then explain the joke. So yes. I definitely uh, side toward Worf here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's nothing against him. It's his programming, right? Mm-hmm. He yep. has to make sure everybody understands the joke. You see, it's funny because. Okay. Right,
0: right. All right. So this, week, this week. this yeah. week, mm-hmm.
1: Well, this week we're sort of like uh, we're in the eye of the hurricane. I think having just come off of SDCC, which is a much bigger show uh, of which we have uh, quite a bit less to do. Um, and then going into STLV, which is a much smaller show where we have infinitely more to do. Uh, this week, our question is: Convention season, can you even? Mm. Now, your two choices are: can't or literally can't. Right now, um, we're just saying they can't. Yeah, thirty percent say they can't. Seventy percent say they literally can't. We put the question to you: Convention season, can you even?
0: Can you even can?
1: Well, I think I have to, John. But um, I, I see, this is where I'm trying to figure out. I don't actually know how to answer this question. I mean, I'm going to. So I guess my answer would have to be can't. Because if I say literally can't, I assume that means I really won't. But I don't know.
0: I just, I've lost my ability to even at this point. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I think okay, I'm all yeah. out of evens. Yeah. Okay,
1: but the question is literally?
0: Literally can't even
1: right no. now. I'm kind yeah. of bummed because I was looking forward to seeing you there. Uh, of course, the there that we're talking about is Las Vegas, Nevada. That is the home of STLV Star Trek Las Vegas, and uh, and yeah, no no fewer things to do there, John.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go home tonight, take a nap, and you'll see me uh, next Monday. That's that's when I'll emerge uh, when I'm on the road to Vegas. Yeah. All right, so when we're in Vegas, we will have the Roddenberry Entertainment Panel. That is Thursday, August 2nd at 11 a.m. Then you're going to have Mission Log Presents, but is it Star Trek? Question mark. That's August 3rd at 12.30 p.m. And then RPN, Roddenberry Podcast Network, all of us up on stage together, Saturday, August 4th at 2.15. And we're going to be talking about fandom over the last 50 years, 1967 to today. What's that landscape like? What has changed? Let's go back to the earliest days, the fanzines, the rise of the conventions, and where we are now with the internet, everybody having a voice. So that'll be a fun, lively discussion, I am sure.
1: What's really great about that panel, too, or what we're looking forward to, because it hasn't happened yet, so we can't be sure that it's great. But, you know, one of the things that we're most excited about is, uh, pulling from the different shows on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, we're going to have a bunch of different perspectives on the whole thing. Larry, you know, with the track Files comes with a lot of track history. John and I come with a lot of, let's really talk about this for a very long time sort of attitude. So of course, uh, yeah, uh, the people at Priority One are doing news of the day, so they've got a very sort of of-the-minute approach to it. And then uh, Women at Warp look at it uh, look at it from uh, uh, from their uh, more socially conscious lens, I would say, Then. Maybe some of us do. So it uh, should just be a tremendous amount of fun. I mean, the thing is, we all ended up doing this because we're all fans. So already, just those four or five shows that we're talking about uh, represent several sides of fandom. And then, of course, as every good panel does, we'll open it up to questions. So if you've got something you want to ask or you know, some thought you want to throw in, we can't wait to hear that and, uh, and, and have you share that with us.
0: All right, guys. So I think it's about time we welcome our very special guest you might remember <laughs> that about six weeks ago we had vic on and uh, we ran into a few technical issues and um boy they just kept coming they, they hit him they hit my computer i disappeared for a while ken you were just you were just uh left there to vamp on your own but now tonight as promised we have vic mignogna back he of course the executive producer of star trek continues star of star trek continues so we are glad to see
3: him again Vic, how are you, sir? I am glad to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, uh, I I am so sorry again. Uh, I was so frustrated last time, and I'm very very happy to be back with you guys. Um, and 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 for those of you that don't know, John and I got together an hour ago and tested <laughs> all this stuff because I wanted to make sure it worked. Uh, before we got to the uh, to the podcast time, so thanks for having me back, you guys.
0: Uh, you look magnificent. You Sound great. I, I have. Well, I love you. Show. Let's okay. get those
3: eyes checked, John, as soon <laughs> as you can. <laughs> but hey, I'm in my I'm in one of my favorite places here. I'm I'm in my uh, my little home studio, and if you can see behind me, I've got uh, Usti back here, the very first sculpture that Greg Dykstra did for Usti in our sixth episode. Uh, Come Not between the dragons. Got a beautiful enterprise back here that uh that uh, somebody gave me actually. And then wow. in the corner I had to steal it when we finished shooting episode eleven. <laughs> I literally brought the podium home that Kirk <laughs> that Kirk uh where is it? See it? There yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. It's so um yeah. I brought it home with me. So uh nice. and I do I'm actually working here is where I'm working on the Star Trek audiobook too. These are the voyages. So um, Yeah.
0: So uh, I I tell you, I want to talk about all of that and and all of this very, very quickly. And I I don't want to get us off on kind of a sad note, but there is something that is some kind of late breaking news that I want to uh, let our audience know about. And Vic, you already know about this. Uh, We found out today that Douglas Grindstaff passed away. Uh, he was the sound editor on the original series Star Trek, so he created so many of the sound effects that yeah. all of us so closely identify with Star Trek. Um, and of course, mention it to you, Vic. He was credited as a consultant on Star Trek Continues.
3: Absolutely, he actually created some uh, some effect uh, some sound effects for us.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and, and the style to match, obviously, what he did in the 60s. So uh, really cool. And, and interesting to note here that we learned of his passing from his granddaughter, Adrian Grady, who many of us know from Trek fandom, from Trek conventions. Uh, and she got to share a credit with her grandfather when she did Foley work on Star Trek Continues. Yes. So just a, a really lovely way to keep it all in the family and keep that legacy going. So, um, Adrian, our hearts were with you and, uh, thank you for sharing that information with us and, uh, glad to pass that along to
3: our audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Vic, you, so you must have worked with him a bit then to help. Well, actually, uh, like- our sound, our sound supervisor, Ralph Miller, Oh, uh, knew, yeah. he knew, he knew Doug and, um, and Adrian as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ralph contacted me and said, um, uh, "Would you be open to me contacting him about doing a couple of effects for one of our episodes?" And I was like, "Are you kidding? Of course! I think that would be amazing." So, uh, so he worked with uh, Ralph and contributed a couple of effects, a couple of sound effects for us.
1: So, is that? I mean, uh, tell me what kind of work you actually. Uh, forgive me. I mean, I've done. Very little sound effect stuff, basically, it was when I was in radio. If I needed a sound, I would just sit there and try to make up whatever sound I could. you know we have things around the room like what what, what was the work sort of that he was doing well, with you?
3: it was it was mostly if i'm I'm trying to remember which episode it was um, in our series, obviously, we had a lot of new things episodes would bring new characters, new ships new tools, new props, and there was a sound effect in one of the episodes that we needed something completely original. And uh, Ralph asked me if it was okay if I reached out to Mr. Grindstaff, and and he and I said, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was. The problem with producing 11 full-length episodes is they kind of start to meld together, and you're not really, okay, what was that sound, and what episode was that? But uh, I can certainly tell you that we were very, very honored. Very. Well, I
1: want to ask you. I mean, you guys actually had a few people from track. Well, I don't. I don't know where the line is between a few and several. Let's say more than three. You had a few people from track working with you, uh, like you know, official track, if you want to use that term. Uh, speaks. Well, I was going to say it speaks to. You tell me what does that speak to? I mean, is well, it your way, and they heard about track, or is it well, your level I, of spectrum or theirs,
3: or? I would like to think that it speaks of the the level of quality of what we were doing i mean it, i think it's fair to say that nobody that 's like really a professional in the industry um, would just casually and uh, uh, very easily agree to be a part of something you know if it wasn 't going to reflect well on them. Does that make sense so um i think I think the fact that we that we were doing uh, a tribute to the original series at the quality level that we were doing it, paying it the homage that that it deserves. And again, at the production value quality that we were doing it, we were able to attract a lot of the guest stars that we did. uh, Not to say the least, John Delancey and, and some of, some of the other people that were involved. Um, So I, I would like to think that it was a, that it was a commentary on the quality of what we were doing.
0: Well, you know, that kind of leads me to we've had a similar discussion to this before, and it might illuminate a little bit what brought all these very high end professionals to your production. And I said, I guess the only way to call it is the goal. You know, people enter into fan films and independent productions for a variety of reasons. Right. Might might be ego. Right. Might be in the case of Star Trek, just people want to play Star Trek. So I'm curious, what was it that drove you already an industry professional to not just make a fan film, not just for a weekend, go down and play Star Trek, but make a series with an extraordinary scope, knowing that, well, this isn't something I can make money off of.
4: And it's
3: not something I can pay other people to do either. Well, right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know what, I'm, I'm glad you asked, because I got to tell you, John, um, I could not be more proud of our team, of our production team. You know, I've been involved in a lot of fan productions, I, not even just Star Trek, but other fan productions, and I've been involved in a lot of Star Trek fan productions, and one thing that, I, that you consistently see is attrition you consistently see somebody will do a one episode, but then they're gone. They, they're like, ah, I did it. You know what I mean? I, I had the fun. I had the experience. I'm not going to do it again. I'm certainly not going to do it again for no money. And I'm double certainly not going to take time out of my vacation, my family, my work, my schedules and make no money just to do this. But I want to tell you, John, and I believe this speaks very highly of our people in the five years that we created 11 full-length episodes. I can count on this hand the number of people that started with our series that did not end with our series. Hmm. With very, very few exceptions, everyone involved in Star Trek Continues was there for the first episode, and they were right there for the last episode. And I believe that part of that is due to the camaraderie. You experienced it. When you came down to 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 see the sets and to to do a little cameo yourself i 'm sure you experienced it we We loved each other and we had a great time hanging out with each with everybody and Even when the day was over after ten or eleven hours of shooting instead of instead of running away from each other and trying to get away from these people until we had to come back the next morning, what would we do, John? We would descend on some restaurant in That's town. 30 and 35 and 40 people and have dinner together and sit around and, and sing and, and, and joke and, and spend time together. And I think we created such a wonderful family that was at the same time creating some really beautiful Star Trek that people really loved coming back. And I think maybe one of the hardest things to do when we finished that 11th episode was to say goodbye to all the people that came in from all over the country to be a part of this series. I'm so proud. I'm so proud of of the Matt Buseys from Vermont and the Warners from Utah and, and the Scotty Whitehursts and, and the Lisa Hansels and Ralph Millers and Ginger Hollies and on and on and on the list goes of people that gave of their time and effort to, to come every single episode. And I didn't expect us to do a whole bunch of episodes. When I started this, I wanted to make one good Star Trek episode the way I remembered Star Trek. I wanted to tell a story that moved people the way the original series moved me. So we made Pilgrim of Eternity. And I didn't know what would ever come of it or if anybody would would like it. But when they responded the way they did, we then launched a crowdfunding campaign to make more episodes. Uh, It was never part of the plan to make 10 or 12 or 13 or 15 episodes, but people responded to it so well that we then started making more.
1: 669-900-6833 is the number to call. 669-900-6833. I know the last time uh, you were on, we couldn't get to all the calls that we had. So if people are waiting for somebody to go ahead and be first, we have somebody to be first, but first let me remind you. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can tap on the uh, the Zoom meeting link, or use the one tap from your smartphone, and then enter the code that you'll see on the screen or up above the thing, and then you can be talking to John Champion, Ken Ray, and of course our guest tonight, Vic Mignona. Uh, speaking of which, we do have a caller. Craig is on with us. Uh, good evening, Craig.
4: Hey, how you guys doing? Mission Lock lad? it's me back again from two weeks ago. <laughs>
1: Oh, doing okay. I can you get closer to your mic though, because we're having a real hard time hearing you. It's
4: not going to make be that better. Hold on. Uh...
0: Sounds like a a, a, a subspace anomaly is taking <laughs> you, Craig.
3: Lieutenant, can you boost the signal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, give
4: me one second
0: here. Craig, I, I I tell you what, we we can come back to you. Yeah,
4: go for it. Yeah, come back to me. Yeah.
0: All right. But Craig is there standing by. So we'll get that worked out. We'll come back to you. Vic, to to the point that you were making about uh, people hanging out, uh, I, no lie. So I started acting kind of semi-professionally uh, and, and in theater, like six, seven years old, something like that, in and out of a little bit of film work, a little bit of TV, a little bit of commercial here and there. Absolutely, this was the happiest set I have ever been on. And there's that weird feeling when you walk in. Obviously, I knew you and I knew a a handful of other people, but to walk into a place with a lot of people that I didn't know, and particularly on a set when things are busy, um, I always have that sort of anxiety that I'm going to be in the wrong place. I'm going to get in the way of the wrong people. Could not have been more the opposite. Uh, everybody was so welcoming, the food was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a well fed cast is a happy cast, and you definitely absolutely, you're, uh, absolutely.
3: And you uh, know what? I, I gotta tell you, John, some of the professional actors that were willing to come down and work with us, like, like John Delancey or Colin Baker from Doctor Who, or uh, any of a number of, of them that came down, they all. Two things. The first thing they would say is, this is one of the most well-run and and greatest attitude uh, sets I've ever been on. And number two, can you write my character back into a future episode? Because (laughs) i would love to come back. And um, I mean, I've been on a lot of sets, John, just like you have. And one thing that I've seen with a lot of fan productions is that they're terribly organized. You know what I mean? They're not well-organized. A lot of the people are volunteers who mean well, but they don't really have any, you know, any real, you know, expertise or professional background. And and it's it's kind of harried and frantic and they don't get things done on time and they don't finish. And and they're up until 4 a.m. And I mean, I've been there. Yeah. But I'm very proud of, of the people that worked on Star Trek Continues because we never had a pickup shoot in 11 episodes. We never had a pickup shoot. We shot everything we needed to shoot in the time allotted, in the hours of the day that were allotted, and, um, and at the same time had a wonderful uh, spirit, a wonderful uh, warm spirit of, of camaraderie on set. And that's very, very rare.
1: Six, six, nine, nine hundred, six, eight, three, three. I only bring it up again because somebody asked in the chat room, what's the number again? They may have been messing with me, but you know what? I'll repeat the number all day long. <laughs> six, six, nine, nine hundred, six, eight, three, three, and then check to make sure I got it right. Uh, apparently, I don't know if he like, you know, um, if he crossed circuit A to circuit B, but I hear that Craig is, is, is back in effect.
4: Yes, Craig. can you hear me now? Is that good? Uh, oh, oh there he perfectly. is. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. What no. up, C
1: Reg? <laughs>
4: good, good. Uh, so, Vic, I saw you in Edmonton. Uh, when you oh, came my
3: gosh. Good to yeah, see yeah. you again, bud.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you see my photo? I don't know if you can from here. Oh, I can.
3: Nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nice. I love you, Craig. I, I got you
4: put on uh, Man Up and Put a Red Shirt on So for signing it. That was great. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so my question is anyway, um, so you know how like Star Trek, you have like, let that be your last battlefield where you have like the message is really strong for the time. So the time of like civil unrest, uh, and, and racism, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so my question is towards your sh- one was, uh, the episode you did, what, what ships are good for that? What, what ships
3: are for? Yes. Yeah.
4: What ships are for? Yeah. And, um, sort of like the premise, cause you know how, like how you made the decision, because when you, you talk about a female captain being on a ship, now we know in the future that more than likely is going to happen, right? But right. I was sort of wondering, like, sort of how you got to that point where we kind of want to make a message, even though we know they're going to be female captains in the future, and even a Discovery kind of made that canon for you anyway. But uh, right. just sort of wanted to know how you sort of got to that point of making a decision on that.
3: Uh, on, on the female captain situation or the Episode nine situation? Uh, what ships the, are for
4: what ships are for. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: I'm, you're going to love this story, Craig. Okay. Do you know how we came up with this story? It's the craziest, craziest reason. I think John even knows cause he's smirking. Kind of funny.
4: <laughs> is it because of the election or am I wrong? No, no, no,
3: no, no. You're talking about what ships are for, right? No, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. The, the black, we, we like to refer to it very uh, lovingly as the black and white episode,
4: mm-hmm.
3: but um, let me tell you where it came from. I was talking to James Kerwin, another one of our amazing producers, and he and I were talking on the phone one day, and we were discussing how many people first saw Star Trek in black and white. Mm -hmm. I was one of them. Mm -hmm. I used to watch it on a 19-inch black and white television. Mm -hmm. And James said, well, you know, a lot of people saw it like that. And I said to James, wouldn't it be cool if we could come up with a story-driven reason for why we were able to present an episode in black and white.
4: Oh shoot. I you, got the wrong, I got the wrong question. Sorry. I was talking about the female captain episode. i got them. My episode is messed
3: up. Oh, okay. So. Well just let me finish this. Okay, sure, so, sure. so, so John, so, um, James and I came up with the story about this planet where that it had some kind of a radiation canopy around it that kept certain light spectrum from coming in. And so the people on it only saw in black and white. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to make a really great allegory out of, out of the fact that we watched it in black and white when we were kids. Hmm. Um, the other the other episode, the, the courtroom episode yeah, with the female lot, captain, we had been getting a lot of fan letters from fans saying, are we ever going to see a woman in a position of leadership, like a Commodore or something like that? Mm-hmm. And so we or was there ever going to be a captain of a starship in your epi- in your episodes? And James Kerwin came up with this story. Um, it is no accident that it coincided with the election, uh, that year. But the, the, the premise that we wanted to ask was certainly it is time for there to be a starship, a female starship captain, but not just any female. It would need to be a female who is qualified, you know, who fits the bill, you know, just slam somebody into, into a, a captaincy because she's a girl. I mean, they would need, they would need to have the qualifications. So it became that kind of a fine line. And I'll tell you what's funny, Craig, we got letters from people on one side of the equation who would say, I can't believe, you know, you made an episode, uh, you know, against a female captain. And then we had people just as many who would write and say, I can't believe you would make an episode for a female cat. Like, like the, it, We did exactly what Star Trek is so good at doing. <laughs> it, it made a beautiful story where it presented both sides of a complex issue, and then it allowed you, an intellectual audience, to, to weigh the elements and decide how you felt about it. So the fact that we got equal amounts of, of mail on both sides of the issue, we took that as saying, I guess we, we did our job well.
4: Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It just sort of pressed some buttons and it's like just reminded me of the old uh, Star Trek where, you know, they really hit the button on like uh, civil rights and uh, for, you know, that sort of stuff. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Well, you know what? Not by accident, Craig, I can assure you. Um, (laughs) When I started this series, I had determined that it was going to be about story. It was not going to be about fighting Klingons. It was not (laughs) going to be about phasers and communicators and beaming down and costumes it was going to be about story it was going to be uh stories that told meaningful uh themes and communicated important ideas and uh, as soon as we set the bar that high it became really a challenge to find those kind of stories but i i feel like we did we did the best we could with that so thank you
4: thank you
0: There's a a producer that we all know whose uh, name rhymes with Doddenberry, uh, who (laughs) says that What Ships Are For is his favorite
3: episode. Do you know what, John? Mm -hmm. When I was sitting in Rod's office, I told him about a couple of our ideas before it was ever even turned into a screenplay. And I told Rod about this episode and he literally sat up in his chair and he said, I like that one. I like that Uh a lot. Nice. I, that, that sounds like that's a Star Trek story. So hey, you can imagine how proud I was to, to share it with him when it was finished. Good. Hey, uh, we've got other callers standing by. We got a
0: little business to get to. We got more to talk to uh, uh, Vic about. So Craig, thank you so much for calling in. Join us next time on the live show. Okay.
3: Thanks, thank Craig. You.
4: Thank you. See you. All right.
1: So, yeah, we got that. We got a bit of business to take care of. Um, we want to remind people about our shop. Because uh, we mentioned that we're right in the middle of convention season. Uh, I'm embarrassed, John. Just there constantly?
0: Are two th- or- well,
1: yeah. Okay, but you yeah. Know, there are two <laughs> things in particular that I'm embarrassed about for this conversation. Okay. Uh, first, I have a ridiculous number of Star Trek t-shirts. Hmm. A ridiculously large number of Star Trek t-shirts. The other thing that's embarrassing is uh, probably only two of them are shirts from the shop at, uh, at MissionLogPodcast.com. The the, the two best shirts, though, right? Well, they're pretty good. Yeah, because I've got the uh, Ditalix Mining Corporation, quite possibly. I I would say this is the shirt that's actually responsible for all the shirts that we have now, because you've heard this story before. Our friend Carl uh, was listening to an episode of Mission Log, and I I jokingly said, man, I would wear something. I would write on stationery, whatever they had from the Ditalix Mining Corporation. And about two hours after that show dropped... I want to say um, I had this thing in our in the email that said, hey, here's a good design for a Italics Mining Corporation T-shirt and you can go to my shop and buy it. So then he's now been letting us fill our shop with stuff that he's made. So, yes, the other one I have is your favorite lieutenant and Mine mine, uh, Lieutenant Jay. Mm-hmm. Hey. And then, of course, uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that we've got in the shop, John.
0: So much more. There's Isolinear, John and Ken. There's Carbon Chauvinism. The new twist on that, Uh, your favorite lieutenant, which you mentioned, Jay, hey, bonk, bonk on the head since 1966, you see, Timmy, is the tribute to Nova Squadron, of course, the aforementioned Italics Mining Corporation, and the old favorites like Cooler's Kirk and Ethos Pathos Logos, even the return of Have a Look at My Robot Guts. So T Public is the place to find all of that. And you can get to it very easily by going to missionblogpodcast.com. You just click on shop. And when you click on shop, you'll be whisked away to our store. And you will find that there aren't just T-shirts with those beautiful designs. No, 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 no. You will find mugs. You will find stickers. You will find notebooks. And, and let's say that there is a blank space on the wall. And I needed to hang something, something of a a fabric medium. Oh, let's call it a tapestry. I could get that too. Tons of stuff to check out and to make your own truly unique Trek gear. Get yours today at missionlogpodcast.com.
1: You know what I'm going to do. Oh, I know what you're 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833 or tap on the uh, zoom link or uh, use the one tap from your smartphone. We do have a couple of callers to get to but there was a question that came up when Craig was on the line that I wanted to go to really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, Vic, that when you were getting ready to do this series, you wanted to make sure that you had what we referred to as the messages, morals, meanings, that there were ideals. There were you know big ideas being examined and presented. In
3: Absolutely. This. Absolutely.
1: When you were doing this show, with the exception of the occasional uh, Kelvin universe movie, when you started the show, there, there wasn't really a whole lot else going on in Star Trek. And there wasn't a whole lot else going on in a lot of science fiction. And today, You've got Discovery. You've got the Orville, which is not Star Trek, but in its own way, it kind of is. I'm wondering if you were hitting the scene today with Star Trek Continues, I mean, would that change? Would your ideas of what you needed to do with the show change? Or would you look at the landscape today and go, you know what? We got the Orville. We got Discovery. I'm going to hang back.
3: Oh, I wouldn't change anything. Really? I would do exactly what we did. Because I have to tell you, what we did was based purely on it, it. It didn't take into account anything outside of just a desire to create more Star Trek classic Star Trek stories. Um, again, I, I don't want to don't want to repeat myself too much. I don't want to bore anybody. But when I was a little boy, I was so inspired by the original series of Star Trek. I made Star Trek continues because. I wanted to pay tribute, I wanted to pay homage, I wanted to use whatever skills I had developed over the last several decades to pay homage to the show that inspired me in so many ways to do a lot of the things that I do professionally today. It didn't take into account how many or how few other sci-fi related things were out there. One thing I felt for sure was there was certainly no classic TOS, and even now, um, there is no classic TOS. Um, I understand that, that, uh, Discovery has a target audience and, and CBS is trying to bring a lot of new fans to Star Trek and I applaud that. But I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that Discovery is not TOS. Um, so I wanted to make something that celebrated my love for the original series. Um, and it, it, it didn't. It, there were there were there was no uh, uh, checking to see what was out there or filling a void. I just wanted to I wanted to to show my love for the original series, so I wouldn't change anything. All right. Let's uh, hop over to our next caller. We have Katrina standing
0: by. Katrina, are you there? Hello.
3: Can Hi, Hi you hear Katrina. Me? Hi. Welcome, Katrina. On- I recognize those objects. Do you really? I <laughs> hope I you do. do. This Tomaki's beautiful bear from Oran High School O'S Club, and that is the world's smallest alchemist, Edward Elric. It is.
2: <laughs> I am I'm super nervous right now, so I apologize if I mess up or anything.
3: Oh, no um, worries, sweetie. What's your question? <laughs>
2: um, well, I wanted to say that I'm gonna see you in um Glasgow. On, in the con. Um, oh, good. And I'm super, different excited because I've, I've never like seen you and it'll be the first time. And
0: well, I will yeah. look
3: forward to it.
2: <laughs> um, My question
0: was, if you could, would you do more Star Trek like
3: series? Oh, sweetheart. I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm going to tell you something, Katrina. And I, and John knows this as well. It was my intention. We wanted to do maybe thirteen, maybe fifteen episodes. We wanted to make one more television season and finish the five-year mission. Um, the because of things that came up in the fan world and fan production world, we were we were forced to to curtail the number of of episodes we were going to do. But the good news is we finished, Katrina. The good news is that we didn't just stop with nothing else going on, you know, just stop dead in our tracks, we were able to finish the five-year mission. And even though we only were able to do 11 episodes, I would certainly do more if I could. Um, and I think I speak for the rest of the Star Trek Continues cast and crew as well. We loved each other, and we loved making these episodes, and we would do more if we had the chance, I, I, I assure you. Thank you, sweetie. No problem. I will look forward to seeing you very soon at that convention.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: All right, let's hop over
0: to Barry. I believe Barry is next. You are on the line, sir.
2: Hello, John. How are you? Hey, I recognize you. <laughs> it's, it's the discount version of you. Finally uh, back. <laughs> you're, you're, you're creeping up there, man. I can't wait to see I you am. in Vegas next week. Yeah, you know? yeah, just a, just a week Oh, are away. you going
3: to be in Vegas, Barry?
2: Yes, I will. Actually, I, uh, I met you last year, Vic. Um, I, was, I was the handler for Santagorn. You were in your Mirror Universe outfit.
3: <laughs> Good. To, I'm glad to. See, I'm looking forward to seeing you again, and thanks for calling in, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely. First of all, uh, it's always a pleasure to get to uh, talk to uh, Ken and Rain. it's a distinguished pleasure to get to speak with you, Vic. You're uh, you're a real inspiration <laughs> for what you've done.
3: Um, Cut this guy off! Cut this guy off! Barry,
1: <laughs> Barry's my favorite. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Barry's Don't mind those allowed. guys, Barry. Don't mind those guys. Just talk to me,
2: Barry. Just to <laughs> well, I, they're going to they're heckle the whole way through. I'm, I'm, I'm already in trouble. This is this is already a sinking ship. No, I, I've been I've been having a longer conversation with a friend of mine on um, science fiction and philosophy and how how you actually make a science fiction like episode or. Uh, for your, in your sense, a entire homage series to what I would consider the greatest fran- science fiction franchise, and all. you would be correct, sir. Thank you. <laughs> my my question is 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 more to do with the conversations. What ships are for was mentioned a moment ago, and and that episode like broke me. And then the final episodes broke me even more. And I think about the, the, the different, you know, philosophies and, and, you know, deeper, deeper messages, morals and meanings as, uh, uh John and Ken always talk about. And I, I want to ask, maybe just using what ships are for because I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the final episodes. Cause I, there could be people who haven't seen Star Trek continues and I want to ruin nothing. Um, but maybe, <laughs> maybe if you could just kind of take me through, if you can remember it, the, the thought process, was it a, we want to go to a planet where, you know, there are no colors and people don't see that way. And that's where, you know, a supposed enemy can um, hide in plain sight. But once those colors are finally made visible suddenly all these horrifying revelations come to pass or was it you know you guys were maybe talking more about you know a lot of the nuances around race around how our culture changes by way of its acceptance Um, you know I mean you guys um, have have a lot of uh, a lot of things you had to say in it so I'm just wondering was it the premise of the show of going to a black and white planet, or was it the deeper conversations that you guys were having that influenced the episode? I don't know if I've made. Well, yeah, no,
3: I I understand. And, And here's what I would answer to that. My answer would be that we started with the premise of a black and white planet, but before we ever wrote any story, we started talking about where is, where is there a message to tell here? Where is there a theme? And of course, we all know that immigration is a very big issue right now, and there are significant points on both sides of of that argument. and And if you remember in what ships are for the the, the people on Hyalienus were very, very uh, very, very firm and strong about not letting people these people from this other planet come for a myriad of different reasons, which they all discussed but what i thought was so beautiful was they had a preconceived notion of who these people were because they had never be, they had this preconceived notion but they didn't realize that some of their dearest friends and in some cases their partners were from this other place and they didn't know because they couldn't see the differences between them and I think that the, one of the real themes that we wanted to drive home was if you could take away the, the the visual, purely just what you can see, and judge people or accept people or relate to people on who they are inside and not just the, the color of their hair or the color of their skin, um, you would go a long way. To reducing a lot of the a lot of the friction and the tensions, um, there is beauty in everyone,
5: mm-hmm.
3: and you know John Delancey's character had a very strong opinion of these people from Abishas because he didn't realize that his own loving wife was Abishan and this girl that they had adopted as their daughter was Abishan. He loved them unconditionally because he didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. Um, So there were a lot of really deep themes in uh, what Chips are for. And I got to tell you, I got to give props to Kipley Brown. We gave her the story. We just gave her a story outline, and she wrote a most beautiful, beautiful episode. Um, And I'm so proud of how it turned out, and and thank you so much. And as for the last two, our two-part finale, um, I hope if anybody out there listening hasn't seen them yet, they they certainly will go and check them out because there's a pretty powerful theme there as well.
2: Bring bring tissues. Just bring tissues.
3: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Even now when I watch it, I (laughs) ball. It gets me still forgive oh, okay anyway very <laughs> i can't Barry. thank
0: you enough we're gonna see you in a week and and we're we're staring down the uh, the the end of the the show here oh my gosh clock, but uh thank you so much for calling yeah. out sure we got to some of our other callers but uh, absolutely you sir we will see in person in very yeah make sure quarter.
3: and come and say hello in vegas Barry. i certainly will take All care right. guys Take so, care,
1: Barry. Hey, we got to do, um, there are a couple of other people we have to introduce Barry to when we get out there, I'm going to do something that I don't know that Barry would have done.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: there's a podcast called Politrex, P O L I T R E K S. A lot of times John and I will do an episode of mission log and we see what the theme is going to be. And I won't say that we're nervous, but we are. Uh, Polytrax, Barry, who was just on, Barry DeFord, is one of the hosts of Politrex. I'm sorry, I don't remember the other guy's name. Uh, But they unabashedly just say, wow, here's this really controversial topic that for some reason tends to divide people. What does Star Trek have to say about it? Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend that people check it out. So Politrex is the thing, (laughs) P-O-L-I-T-R-E-K-S. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing Barry. And um, just golly, just a very few days. Yeah. In the meantime, as John mentioned, we do have other callers lined up. I believe Samuel is yeah. the next person on the Samuel. line.
3: Samuel. Samuel. Hello. Uh Barry. my dear Samuel.
0: Hi, Vic. Hi, everyone. Hey, buddy. Look at that cool poster behind you. Woo.
6: Individual renders carefully put together. No one can ever tell because I'm such a small box on our show. But
3: uh, I'll bet you wow, Samuel can I'll tell be. us what chips are for. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: uh, Hello. we just that. That's <laughs> pretty amazing.
0: Where, uh, where are you that it's
6: 3.48 in the morning? Oh, England and still working on some CG. It's wow. But it's, it's going to look good. So it's All worth right. it. Um, and I just want to jump on because you're the option open. just want to say, hey, John and Ken, big fans. And I only saw a live stream from you guys about a month ago seeing your faces for the first time but i've been fans for two three years and that editing i do and hearing your voices on the side monitor and just listening a lot of hours so thanks for the entertainment wow sure. thank you for that so kindly yeah thank,
1: thank you me. very much
6: i just want to ask cause i'm the ship guy and you got Vic, so you know obviously tos what did you say was your favorite single piece of the original 1960s matt jeffrey's designed enterprise each all three of you
3: Separate piece of the enterprise? that one individual
6: piece. What's the favorite thing?
3: Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
6: And I can vamp if you want some time to think.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to go. I I mean, I know this is kind of lame, but I'm going to go with the uh, saucer. I just, you know what I loved about the saucer, even when I was a little kid, how it's got the bulges on the top and on the bottom, but they're not the same size. (laughs) I remember, I remember looking at it like this profile and the bulge on the top is much bigger than the, than the protrusion on the bottom. And I remembered thinking if I were to make this, I'd have made them, you know, the same and yet it is so much more beautiful and elegant that they are not the same. And so I love that. That's my answer.
0: Uh, I You know, I'm just going to, not to be contrarian, but I'm going to go with the secondary hole only because I figure, A, if uh, any incoming fire comes in, uh, they're going to go for the primary hole first. Huh? Second of all, if I'm in the secondary hall, there's probably, like, where the arboretum, uh, the bowling alley, uh, <laughs> probably where they keep all the good food. So all of that other stuff, I'm just going to hang out down there. And... Uh, yeah. I'll call it a bigger windows. I think. Yeah.
1: I, I, I have a tough time answering the question. I mean, honestly the the thing that most appeals to me, but it's not even really, I guess it's part of his design. It's the window. It's the window up at the very top, which you see in the cage when we sort ah, of zoom in big down right dump. and and we're it's not like uh well that's a that's a thing that's just sort of a structural thing. We zoom in and that's the first time we see Pike, that's the first time we see number one yeah um I don't know whose decision that was, but that they literally put you on the enterprise in yeah. that. Yeah. Which was uh, which was a neat a uh, neat bit of design and a neat bit you of you know what I
3: I have to say can I can I add to my answer No I'm sorry Samuel, No Samuel <laughs> Samuel I love the right nacelle but I hate the left nacelle
1: Yeah Yeah
3: uh, That's um. very reasonable yeah. <laughs> Hey John before hey. we before we run out of time I would really love to talk about the audio book Yeah are the Yeah Samuel uh, Thank you so much for calling in. Your Thanks, end. Samuel. Uh, hey, Samuel, are you coming
0: to Vegas?
6: No, no, sorry. But something uh, of mine might, might be there in spirit. I'll well, I'm
3: going Man- to be in Manchester, England this coming weekend.
6: That's a bit closer. Oh, there's now this weekend is a big event in London. I'm seeing four doctors. Oh, my gosh. So. We'll tell
3: them we saw you. All righty. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, guys. Um, All right, you know, go, it's on. funny that he asked about the Enterprise, John, because um, mm. I'm currently reading this audio book. Uh, I'm doing the audio book oh, for Voyages. You you don't say the uh, don't the, say. the the Mark Cushman book yeah. that um, that in very very great detail um, dives deep into the making of the original series of Star Trek, quotations from all of the major players, excerpts from inner office memos and uh, letters, and some of the writers of the episodes, guest stars, Gene Roddenberry, Bob Justman, Herb Solo, Dorothy Fontana, Joe DiAgusta, and Matt Jeffries. Um, I'm learning so much about the original series production that I didn't even know from reading these books. They are so in-depth and so comprehensive, and I'm bringing a lot of the Star Trek Continues cast and crew in to voice some of these characters, uh, a, a certain bearded host is is going to make a, a vocal appearance, and a lot of the original people who were there. DC Fontana is going to be is going to be reading her own excerpts. I just had in this room, Joe Augusta was here oh. four days ago. We hit it off, had a great time. Adam Nimoy is going to be reading his his dad's excerpts. Chris Duan's going to be reading you know, his dad's excerpts. And then a lot of our Star Trek Continues production people are going to be reading their TOS counterparts, like William Smith is going to be reading Matt Jeffries' uh, excerpts. And Andy Farber, the composer who did a lot of music for us, is going to be reading Alexander Courage's excerpts. And, um, uh, wow, um, Matt Busey, our director of photography, is going to be reading Jerry Fenderman's excerpts. So um, we're involving a lot of people, and, uh, and this These Are the Voyages book one audiobook is going to be a lot of fun to listen so to. So most
0: importantly, when and where can we get it?
3: Well, uh, I will tell you that we are currently more than almost, we're almost three-fourths of the way finished with the audiobook. It's a massive undertaking. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a 700-page book and 38 chapters and we're about 23 24 chapters in and uh and especially you know it's funny I could have saved myself a lot of work if I just read all the parts myself but I I thought about what would make it more fun for the for the the listener to enjoy and I thought well if we actually had other people reading the, the other characters, then the voices would change and it would add so much more variety and it would make you feel like you're sitting down listening to an actual interview or you're sitting in a room and, you know, Gene Roddenberry is sitting there telling you in his own words about his, his recollections and the things that were happening during each of the making of these episodes. So, um, I doubled my workload <laughs> by uh, bringing in a bunch of other people, but I think that the listeners ultimately will really enjoy it a lot more. Awesome. So All right. we're going to be promoting it at uh, Vegas. We'll be promoting it at Vegas and handing out Aww. postcards and stuff. And, uh, and of course, you can check on the Star Trek Continues website and Facebook pages and Jacobs Brown Press, the publisher who's behind it, are going to be putting out interviews uh, based on the, the recordings. So. Perfect.
1: We're running really short on time. We're going to skip the lightning round tonight, but I don't want to skip the promo for uh, uh, priority one Roddenberry star Trek podcast. I will keep it quick. They're coming up in about five or 10 minutes. So right. As soon as we're done here, please go to facebook.com slash priority one podcast because, uh, Kenna, Elijah, Anthony are all getting together to do, Uh, the fun Star Trek news thing that they do. We've got at least one other caller, maybe two. I know we're going to be able to get to one. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Is it Ati? Ati,
2: yes. Ati.
0: Welcome to the show.
3: Hi. Hi, Hi, Ati.
2: Oh, you remember me, Vic? I met you at um, Anime Mid-Atlantic last year.
3: Hello there, Ati. Nice to see you again. Good
2: to see you. I hope to see you at Dragon Con. I pray to God. Oh, I
3: will look forward to it. I will look forward to it. What is your question, my dear? I have two. First okay. of
2: all, since Kirk is a ladies' man, do you think Tamaki would get the most chicks or Captain Kirk would get most of the chicks?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Captain Kirk wins that one. Ooh. Mostly be- mostly because Tomaki is an animated character. <laughs> so I don't think yeah. he could... I don't think he could probably uh, you know he couldn't could measure up to Captain Kirk in the real world.
5: True
2: that. Um my second one was and I'm going to keep this short as possible. My friend asked me, "Why did you kill he- why did you have to kill Dr. McKenna off the last
3: Well, movie? you know what? We didn't want to kill McKenna, but it was powerful. That's why we did it. You know what? Can I tell you something ATI when you're, when you're finishing up the original series of the most iconic TV show in television history, and you need to come up with some really legitimate emotional reasons for why Mr. Spock would go back to Vulcan to pursue the Culinar, or why Dr. McCoy would leave the service, or why Kirk would take a desk job, we decided that one of the most powerful reasons would be to lose someone really close to you. And in Spock's case... Lose someone close to you that you feel responsible for their death. So um, that was why we chose it. We chose it because we knew it would be powerful and it would be, it would be just enough motivation to, uh, to have them make some of the very important choices that they made. But thank you, my dear. Thanks for calling. I'll look forward to seeing you at Dragon Con. I want us to make sure and try to get to Michael here before yep. we run out of time. Let, let, let's Bye. squeeze it. Ati, thank you so much. Michael, Thank you? Thanks, Ati. Thank
2: you, my dear. guys.
5: Hey, Michael. Hey, how are you? Thanks for squeezing me in. I'll keep sure. this brief because I know you're running short. It's a real thrill to get to talk to you all. I came across Star Trek Continues strictly by error. On the internet, and I was blown away. Total fan, shocked, like Vic, a lifelong fan. The attention to detail, the scoring of original music, blew my mind. I was a professional engineer for audio at Disney World for twenty years. Oh wow, uh, there was a lot to impress me. Man, was I on board.
3: <laughs> I am right. so glad. I'm honored, Michael.
5: My my question is: I understand there's some conflict with trying to do more Star Trek. And so, being a, a retro fan like yourself, would you ever consider Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea continues? Lost uh. Space continues? One of those retro, you know, full color psycho dramas that we all grew up on? Is there you know what, way?
3: Michael? I, I have to tell you, my answer to that would be no. And I'll tell you why. Nothing came close to moving me the way the original series of Star Trek did. And I'm with you. I'm, nothing, I'm nothing touched it to me. And you know what? I'm a big Star Wars fan too. You know what? Right over there, right beside my phaser, I have a lightsaber replica. I mean, I love Star Wars, but nothing inspired me anywhere close to what the original series did. So I, I don't know that I could ever pour the amount of love and attention into anything else that I did to Star Trek Continues. This was my love letter to Star Trek, and uh, and I don't think I could ever do anything else that would touch it. And, you <laughs> know, you I, know,
5: I... Bottom of my heart for finishing the series, because we were all dying to see how it ended. <laughs> thank you, Michael,
3: and you know what? Spread the good word, you know? Oh, I, I got a friend, I got a friend I out there me. right now. I have a friend right out right out there right now named Mitesh, who needs to be watching Star Trek Continues. So, <laughs> Michael, you continue to spread the good word, okay? I'll do it. You got me on
5: board. I'm watching all the added sequences for the music scoring, too. I love that stuff. Nice.
3: Thank you. Thank thank you, my friend thank
1: Thank you you very much Michael for calling in you know I really I really hate when you're on Vic because there's never anything to talk about Uh, we will of course have to have you on again at some point and thank you so sorry to everybody who couldn't get on Uh, but uh, we will have Vic back on and we look forward to having you back around with us as well in the meantime Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment Executive Producer Rod Roddenberry Technical Production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks Producer Brendan Bradley be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry Dot com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Thank you for everyone who joined us live. Thank you to everyone who joined us later. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.